This is Cantus Firmus, Kingdom Theology for Christians Without a Country. Greetings, you are listening to Cantus Firmus. I'm Cody Cook, and my guest today is Amber Carroll, Parent Content Specialist and Director of Operations at Equip. Uh, Amber joined Equip in January of 2018. She leads the prayer team, manages volunteer opportunities, and writes content for parents of young kids, including Equip's 10-hour parent course titled Christian Parenting in a Sex-Obsessed Culture. And uh, we've also got a uh, code for that, by the way, if you're interested in that, and I think you will be after this conversation. Um, so you can, oh man, I had this, I've had it, I added it to the uh, bio, but I forgot to add it to my notes. Hold on one second. It's okay. So uh, the code is... I believe it's Cantus Firmus 15. I think that's right. And um, where would they go to um, redeem that uh, code? for? The uh, they can go to equipyourcommunity.org forward slash parent course. And there's going to be like a free preview video, more information, and then they can click the register button and that will take them to the, the, um, the registration page where they can pick a date and then, um, you know, put in their credit card and the, the code and all of that. And the, the code is for 15% off the price of the course. And that Correct. works in the year of 2022. Correct. Firmus 15. And I don't know if case matters, but it's a capital C. Um, capital C, capital F, I believe. Yeah. Great. Okay. I think case does matter. I, I don't want to steer anyone wrong. I think it does. Might as well. It's just assume that it does. And then that'll work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, see, so yes, but that course is uh, called Christian Parenting in a Sex-Obsessed Culture. And that's relevant to what we're going to be talking to. Um, talking about rather. So Equip helps the church to better love sexual minorities and can be found at equipyourcommunity.org. And before I ask you about raising kids in, in a popular culture that's increasingly non-traditional when it comes to sexuality, um, I wanted to lay a little groundwork. So to begin with, can you tell me a little bit about Equip and how you got involved with it? For sure. So Equip exists to help churches become places where LGBTQ plus people can belong and thrive according to a traditional sexual ethic. Um, the church needs to be a place where kids and teens and their parents uh, hear their pastors and leaders talk about sexual stewardship in theologically accurate and compassionate ways um, so that when some of these kids realize that they're gay, that they experience same-sex attraction, um, they don't respond with shame or fear or hiding. Rather, they tell their parents and pastors because they know that God loves them and has good things for them. They've heard that all throughout their growing up years. Uh, they don't question that. Uh, and unfortunately, most churches aren't that place. Uh, we want to help those churches get there. Uh, so we do that through consulting services, our blueprint process, our parent course, uh, as well as other trainings and classes. And like Cody said, if you want to learn more, you can go to equipyourcommunity.org. Um, personally, I found Equip through a friend. Uh, I was immediately inspired by what they were doing. And so I asked to volunteer. Eventually, I was able to come on staff. Uh, my ex-husband is gay, and I have seen firsthand how the church fell short um, as he looked for family and belonging and love uh, when he was a teen and a young adult. Uh, plus, I have two young children, and I want them to grow up hearing the church talk about gay people and the good things that God has for them. Um, unfortunately, I have found that there are not a lot of resources out there for parents. 
um, especially surrounding this particular topic. Um, so part of a big part of my work with Equip has been to write the resource that I needed uh, and that I still need to use with my own children. Um, and that has become this, this five week, 10 hour, like Cody said, parent course that teaches parents um, how to talk to their young kids, ages two to 12. Um, about God honoring sexual stewardship and, and also teaches parents how to engage with those questions at the intersection of faith and sexuality and culture. And so that's, so that's what I do. Awesome. Yeah. And it, as you're talking about what Equip does, um, you know, it seems to me that we're led to believe there are only two approaches to sexuality. One is affirming and the other is shaming. Uh, and by affirming, it means sort of whatever you want to do, whatever sounds good, do right. and, and that's one approach. And the other approach is sort of shaming, kicking the kids out of the house, cutting off relationships if they don't do what you want. And so I like what uh, groups like Equip are doing because it's a way of sort of saying, well, you know, scripture seems to say this, this there seems to be some consistency with natural law here. Uh, but at the same time, we're not trying to cut off relationships with our kids. We're not trying to shame our kids and have them, you know, homeless, living on the streets, you know, going into prostitution or whatever, all these horrible exactly. stories you hear. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a much better approach to sort of look for ways to, um, uh, you know, not give up on your parental responsibilities and duties to love your kids uh, because of uh, something that you don't like right. or with their, their lifestyle or choices or whatever. So, um, okay, so I think, you know, there's, there's I think, a lot of uh, perceptions about some of these questions going in that people are going to have preconceptions. And, um, you know, one about sexual orientation in general. So it seems to me that um, there have been a lot more studies that are demonstrating how complicated sexual orientation can be. Um, and, you know, there's traditionally there was a nature or a nurture approach, to, once again, about these binaries. Um, and, but it's not entirely that. Maybe there seems to be different factors coming together. Um, it's not necessarily just one or the other. And, and for some people, it can even shift over time. Um, but it doesn't seem to be, in any case, something that can be switched on and off like some evangelicals like to think that it is. Um, and so should Christians think of being gay as something that can be repaired? And by repaired, that means <laughs> transformed into heterosexuality. Yeah, so scripture doesn't promise permanent relief from any temptation that we may face or experience in this lifetime. Uh, plus, if you do look at the limited high quality research that's available, uh, 96 percent of people who participated in sexual orientation change efforts, we might call that reparative therapy or something similar, um, they experienced no change in their same-sex attractions. Uh, and then other studies have demonstrated that sexual orientation change efforts actually increase the risk of suicide attempts by 92 percent. Um, and, and there's just no proven combination of um, spiritual disciplines, or counseling to, to bring about change. Um, you know, can God perform a miracle? Do miracles happen? Sometimes. Um, but I think praying for change with, with a, any kind of level of expectation uh, is dangerous. And here's what I mean. Um, the likelihood, if we look at the statistics, the likelihood of your attractions changing even a little bit are the same as you getting into Harvard or becoming a millionaire or playing high school baseball and eventually going pro. Um, so would it be wise to counsel our kids to pray for those things expectantly? Um, what happens to our kids' faith in God or their belief that God is good, or if their, you know, if their belief that God loves them hinges 
on whether they get into Harvard or whether they become a millionaire or whether they play pro ball or whether their same-sex attractions change. Um, so the frequent harm of ex-gay programs, I think far outweighs the benefits that only a few experience. Um, plus, I think the search for change um, is unnecessarily risky. Uh, gay Christians don't need to change their attractions to belong and thrive in our churches, according to a traditional sexual ethic. Um, so based on that, I would caution an individual from seeking to change their attractions. Uh, it is a brokenness, yes, um, but we don't choose who we are attracted to, uh, and there's no formula for changing our attractions. And so it's better to ask God how he wants to redeem our broken sexualities for our good uh, and for his glory rather than um, seeking to change it. I thought you were going to say for, for a moment there that we don't choose our brokenness, which I think is, is, a, is a maybe a more a broader way to think about it, right? You know, Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh, which he was kind of vague about what that was, but it's something that he wanted God to take away, some ailment or, or perhaps even a same-sex attraction, we don't know. Um, yeah. But it was something that uh, he basically, he felt that God told him, well, I'm not taking that away, but you can rely on my grace and then that's going to be it for now. For now. Um, right. So um, you, you've kind of, hinted at it here, but I've also read articles where you've talked about um, how poor of a job the church does at meeting the needs of gay Christians. Uh, and you were sort of saw that firsthand with your ex-husband. And so I was interested in how you, if you could elaborate on that a little bit, one of my observations on this is that we uh, tell people in the West anyways, and maybe in the East too, um, that they won't be fulfilled, complete, or happy until they're married. And then we tell gay people that they can't get married. And so it seems like one of those premises has to be wrong, unless God just made gay people to be miserable. Exactly. Uh, so three things came to mind, uh, come to mind for me here. Um, I think one, the church doesn't offer protection from the wounds in the closet. Um, there's currently a five-year gap between when a teen realizes same-sex attractions and then when they tell someone. Uh, our, you know, our culture's sexual ethics are getting more and more progressive, um, but the five-year gap is not showing signs of clo closing, especially uh, in Christian circles. Um, so that's five years that a teen is left alone to figure out faith and sexuality by themselves. That's five years that they are alone with the lies of the enemy. That's five years of questioning and shame and fear and hiding and depression and anxiety and possibly suicidal thoughts or attempts. Um, so, so the church needs to work to eliminate the closet. And we can do that by teaching in theologically accurate and compassionate ways about Christian marriage and Christian singleness. What are those for? Who are they for? Um, by helping to kids to get their intimacy needs met through uh, you know, healthy relationships with their family, their friends, and God. Uh, by talking about sex and sexuality and sexual ethics in age-appropriate ways before puberty, and then teaching parents how to do that as well. And then also by allowing gay Christians who are faithfully stewarding their sexuality to be visible role models um, so that kids who will one day experience same-sex attraction can see them thriving in their churches and, and say, hey, that, that's possible for me too. And then two, uh, the church doesn't do a good job of offering family, true family, to celebrate Christians. Um, to do that, I think churches must teach about the purpose of committed Christian singleness, what we might call vocational singleness. They have to help all young adults to discern 
their relational calling, uh, whether that's to Christian marriage or to Christian, again, vocational singleness, singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, and then they have to help those who are called to singleness to find lifelong lived in family in the body of Christ. Um, so that could look like maybe a group of singles who live together in a house or houses. Um, that could look like a single person who's grafted into the family and life of maybe a married couple and their kids. Uh, that could look like a single person continuing to live with their parents or finding family with other biological relatives like siblings or cousins. Uh, you know, single people, um, especially those who are committed to, the, to a lifelong uh, singleness, they should be able to find the same depth of family in our churches that married people find with their nuclear families, and, and churches have to help them find that. And then three, um, churches are not doing a great job at protecting gay Christians from a poisonous victim mentality by getting rid of the double standards when it comes to romance, marriage, and family. And this is exactly uh, what you were talking about, Cody. Uh, romance and marriage are offered in our churches as the cure for loneliness, and every straight Christian is encouraged to pursue romance and marriage if they want that. Um, you know, we do that with our sermons, our church programming, uh, our leadership examples. They're all married. Um, even small group structure is often centered around marriages and families. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we teach kids, straight kids from childhood that marriage is the greatest human good. Uh, family is often limited only to our nuclear family. And so if romance and marriage with the person that we most desire is the pinnacle of what it means to be human, and the only way we can experience love in family is through a sexual relationship, then yes, it is cruel to tell anyone that they shouldn't pursue marriage and romance, you know, with the person that they most desire. Uh, but I think this is where we Christians have gotten it wrong. Uh, romance and marriage and sex are not necessary to be fully human. Uh, we don't have to be married to find family or to find love. You know, Jesus broadens our understanding of family. Family uh, is not based solely on biological ties. Uh, rather, the church is a family that's bound together through the blood of Christ. And so that means that, that our spouse and our kids are no longer the only people that are important to us. Um, other people in our local church body, especially those on the margins, they are our family too. Uh, and we are called to treat them that way and to care for them in that way. So it's really hypocritical to hold gay people to a standard that we're unwilling to hold straight people to. Uh, and if straight people, you know, are unwilling to give up the idol of romance and marriage, I'm not sure that we can ask gay people to do that. Um, so straight Christians, we've, we've got to take seriously what Jesus says about family, to take seriously what God's design is for Christian marriage, and to take seriously what God says um, about sexual stewardship. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about romance and family is, uh, you know, something that's sort of seen as essential because if you go back to the time that the New Testament was written, first of all, it's in the East, which is more collective and familial, and also it's ancient times. And so the role of family is even more significant um, because it's necessary for survival. Um, and, but even there, you know, the, the New Testament writers, for example, you know, Paul and, and Jesus uh, both pursued singleness and Paul even recommended it. He preferred it. Uh, he thought it was maybe better for serving God if you were single, not that he shamed uh, marriage, but it was, it's, it was almost a reversal, right? Whereas we sort of today assume marriage and say, well, there might be a few people that have the gift of singleness, but really marriage is what everybody's supposed to do. 
Right. And Paul had almost like the opposite approach. It's like, well, if you, you know, if you really got to get married, I guess go ahead. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I wonder if, if part of the difference though is uh, in that familial culture, the church functioned as a family um, where, and, and also the, the reason for having family was, was different. You, 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 often it wasn't a love marriage. So mm-hmm. you weren't necessarily there to gratify yourself or make yourself feel happier or, or find the one who completes you. It was about creating this family um, that, w- that was seen as something that w- had a value in and of itself. Um, right. And so the church could kind of jump in and be that. But if our model of uh, fulfillment today is personal, my own gratification, um, you know, at, at what, at what, how, how well can the church fill that role? I think it is a good question. You know, I, I feel like we, 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 um, we tried to do this thing where we're like, okay, well, you know, the, the, the world has these great rock concerts and stuff. So we'll just have like Christian rock bands. And it's like, well, they're not as good. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a bad substitute. Right. You, know, you, want, you want to go to a concert and, you know, smoke weed and hook up with a girl or do you want I, you know, it's just, it, that seems more fun if that's what you're going for. Um, and whereas I just feel like what we're, what we're offering as the church can't, doesn't compete with that self-gratifying uh, approach to what we're made for. Um, and I think that it's, that's in the arguments as well for, um, you know, when somebody says something like, well, maybe if you're same-sex attracted and you're a Christian, especially, uh, singleness should be your vocation. Um, and somebody says, well, you know, well, that's, not, that's not right. You can't be happy unless you have such and such. Um, it, it's, 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 anyway, it's, it's a very different approach. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I might be going off track and ranting a little bit, but, uh, but I'm just, maybe, I'm agreeing with what you're saying and maybe just sort of thinking it through a little bit. Um, so I, I hope that that's kind of laid, you know, as we've talked about some of these things, that's laid some groundwork for the main reason I wanted to talk to you, because I think going into this, as I said, people are going to have preconceptions, especially if they're evangelicals about homosexuality, about whether it can be changed. Um, about uh, whether the way to fix that problem is by being straight. Um, and so hopefully we've dispelled that a little bit. And I guess what, what, what I'm really interested in um, is, at least today, um, you know, we are in a culture where um, a lot of the mainstream content aimed at kids is moving uh, toward talking about presenting same-sex attraction and transgenderism from an activist framework uh, in a way that I think we could have predicted based on that whole self-gratifying model of humanity, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the most recent news items on this was that Pixar was um, uh, trying to get more same-sex relationships in their films, uh, romantic relationships, and maybe not, hopefully not sexual relationships, uh, and apparently succeeding with uh, this new Buzz Lightyear movie where there's uh, apparently a, a, a same-sex lesbian kiss and relationship that's presented. And as I think about this from a secular perspective, as, as we kind of were just doing, it makes sense, I think, to present same-sex relationships or even polyamorous relationships as equal to heterosexual monogamous relationships. But um, Christians, I guess, hold to what you, you might call a heteronormative view, <laughs> and they see how sexuality is lived out as an ethical issue. Um, and so I think perhaps the greatest concern of some of these parents is that they don't want their kids struggling with gender identity dysphoria or diving headlong into sexual experimentation if they wouldn't normally do that. And they, they, because they're seeing it presented as exotic or cool on TV and then it affects their peer groups, then you have these sort of, uh, you know, shifts where when I, was, when I was in high school, it was, you know, every girl was experimenting with bisexuality. And it seems that now the, the, the experimental identity that's being put on is the transgender identity. Um, and so I think a lot of parents think, you know, if we can 
if our kids don't have to do that, <laughs> why would we want them to? And um, so I, I think what you're seeing is a lot of Christians, a lot of conservatives are running for the hills. They're talking about starting their own entertainment companies, like the Daily Wire, uh, you know, for kids app or whatever, um, because they're seeing stuff on Disney and Nickelodeon, PBS kids. That's, you know, disconcerting for them. And I think like on one level, I get that there's a part of me that wants to, you know, every time I read something on the news or see, see something on TV, I think, you know, let's just do the little house in the prairie thing. Um, that, that sounds just so much easier. Um, but on the other hand, though, I'm a parent of young kids who might identify as gay or trans one day, or they might have gay or trans friends who will need to know that they're loved by God. And I would like to think that my kids would help them see that. And um, so I want them to be able to love themselves, love others, not dehumanize them. And I want them to see gay people as just as valuable as straight people. And this is kind of a long wind up, sorry. I also want them to be prepared to live in the world as it is and not the world that I'd like them to live in. And mm -hmm. yeah. I think that means knowing that gay and trans people exist. So I'm struggling because there's all these concerns wrapped up into this and I'm feeling pulled in a lot of different directions. You know. I think some people are just, we're going to go all affirming. Some people are just want to run for the hills. But I think there's a lot of parents who are kind of in the middle who are looking for an approach that's compassionate and thoughtful where they're not just sort of throwing their kids out in the culture and hoping for the best. And so uh, are, are those my only two options, opting out or, or just acquiesce to it? <laughs> or, or is there something else I can do? Yeah, yeah, uh, great questions. So I do want to quickly mention for our audience that if your child does experience same-sex attraction, you did not do anything to make your child gay, um, or you didn't not do anything <laughs> to make your child gay, and your child didn't do anything to make themselves gay or not do something that made them gay. Um, you know, it is wise to be discerning about the media that you allow your child access to, but seeing a gay character on TV won't make your child gay. Same for gender dysphoria. Um, okay, so first, secular media companies are gonna follow culture. We, you know, you kind of said that. Um, that's really good business sense for them. So of course they're going to move into a more progressive space when it comes to sexual ethics. That's where culture has gone, media is going to follow. So I, I think as Christians, we cannot pretend to be shocked or surprised or outraged when non-Christian companies feature media that does not uphold biblical truths. They do this all the time. This is not new. Um, I think second, we have to ask ourselves, are we addressing all of the ways that Disney media contradicts scripture? And I'm, I'm going to pick on Disney here because that's the one, you know, that's been in the news kind of lately. Um, if the only reason you'd consider canceling your Disney Plus subscription is because of one lesbian character, one lesbian kiss, and one movie, and maybe a few other characters or, or kind of background kisses or something like that, um, I think that could indicate some homophobia. And from what I have seen play out on social media recently, it seems that the only time parents really get into a tizzy <laughs> and threaten to cancel their Disney subscription or, or whatever subscription is when it involves something LGBTQ. Um, you know, all the Disney movies that center on romance and tell kids that they need to be married to be happy, seems like parents, Christian parents are okay with that. Um, there are lots of Disney movies, especially ones from the earlier days that feature characters that are smoking or drinking to excess that are actually drunk. 
we don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, characters that are involved in an affair or who are divorced or who um, have multiple romantic relationships, we don't have an issue with that. Uh, plot lines, you know, that glorify violence or even murder, we tend to make those our heroes. But I think when we throw in a gay kiss, you know, parents suddenly have a problem with Disney going against their values. Um, so I think we have to look maybe at our motivation, our heart, when we're thinking about canceling those subscriptions and, and the why. Why are we choosing to do that? Um, yes, again, we do need to look critically at the media that our kids are consuming. And we do need to make wise and informed choices about what our kids are exposed to and, and at what ages. Um, again, this is a secular media company. They are not going to uphold your values. You do need to be careful. Um, and maybe, you know, this, this Buzz, new Buzz Lightyear movie, that's the thing that has opened your eyes to the need for you to do that. Um, but again, I would encourage parents to take a look at their motivations. Is it homophobia or is it a sincere desire to disciple your kids that's leading you to make the decision or at least contemplate canceling, uh, you know, your subscription? All right, second part of your question. Um, I think kids need to know that gay people exist. Um, they're going to find out eventually, and it's better if you tell them uh, for several reasons. Um, you can tell them what gay is in an age-appropriate way. Um, for elementary, middle, and high school students today, gay means boys who like boys or girls who are attracted to girls, and that's all that gay means. Um, you know, you can also introduce some gay people into your kids' lives, especially gay people who are following God's wisdom about sexual stewardship. Um, let your kids know by your actions and your words that you're a safe person to tell if they one day experience same-sex attraction. Um, and, then, and then decouple gay language from the cultural script. Um, your child, you know, isn't forced to engage in same-sex sexual behavior simply because they are attracted to people of the same sex. You're gay, you're, ba you're pan, you're bi, you're queer, great. God's wisdom for your sexual stewardship is the same as it is for everyone else. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to be shocked or surprised, um, but we can continue to talk about God's wisdom and encourage our kids towards God's wisdom, uh, regardless of what language they're using to describe their attractions. Uh, and then second, I think um, instead of being overly worried about what's going on in kids' movies and TV shows, I think we need to spend maybe more energy being worried about what's going on in our homes. You know, what are we modeling for our kids? Um, if we're modeling for our kids that our family is limited to only our nuclear family, that, that romance is the place to find happiness and avoid loneliness, um, that we expect our spouse to meet all of our intimacy needs, that our spouse is our only and our best friend, and that any other friendships can't be too close, um, it makes sense then that our kids will in, you know, be intent on pursuing romance and marriage in order to find love and family. And then if that's the case, we, we cannot be surprised if a gay kid wants the same things that they've seen modeled for their entire lives. Um, and, then, and then what are we teaching our kids? What are we saying with our words? Um, you know, God did not give Disney the job of teaching our kids about God honoring sexual stewardship. Uh, he doesn't even give that job to our pastors or our youth groups. He gives that job to parents. Um, so here's some statistics for you. Uh, puberty begins somewhere between the ages of eight and 14. Kids on average begin to experience sexual feelings, sexual attraction around age nine or 10. 
Um, plus the average age of exposure to pornography right now is around 11. Uh, and then about 14% of teens will have sexual intercourse by the age of 15. So if we look at those statistics, it is essential that we have shared what we want our kids to know about God's wisdom for sexual stewardship and God's love for sexual minorities no later than age nine. Uh, and then we need to follow up with more complex, nuanced, detailed, layered conversations around age 11. Um, and in fact, sex education studies show uh, that sex education doesn't lead kids to have sex earlier. In fact, it's the opposite. The more that we talk to our kids about these things, the more likely it is that they're going to follow the wisdom that we offer. Um, so the goal, the goal here is to guide our kids' understanding before they start asking questions. Um, and, you know, before the, those questions are being answered by Google or pornography or social media or even the enemy or just even some misinformed kid on the playground, um, we want to be the ones to set the tone for learning about sex and sexuality, about marriage and singleness, about family and intimacy. Um, so the sooner that we begin to talk about these things, and the more often we talk about them, the better equipped our kids will be to make sense of, you know, this really sex-obsessed world that we all live in, as well as their own desires and attractions and, and sexual impulses. Um, so in Disney, as the, the example here, it could be as simple as just saying to your child, hey, I noticed that two women were kissing in that movie. And then you can go on to have a short conversation about that. Um, don't make it weird, <laughs> but bring it up and talk about it. You could talk about what Christian marriage, what God says about Christian marriage. You could talk about, if you haven't yet, talk about what is same-sex attraction. Why are those two women kissing? Um, you could help them understand that God's wisdom for sexual stewardship is the same for everyone, regardless of their attractions. You can remind kids that being gay isn't gross or dirty uh, and that they can tell you if they ever feel attracted to people of the same sex. Um, you could talk about some of the Christians you know who experience same-sex attraction and how they are stewarding their sexuality and how maybe that's different from what they see in the movie. Um, you could talk about how romance and sex aren't the best things that life has to offer and that God, um, you know, has a preference for how we steward our lives and steward our sexual selves. Um, or, you know, if you decide that, hey, that movie, we just, we don't want to go there. That's not appropriate for our family. Um, it promotes a sexual ethic that we just, we don't want to our kids to see right now. Um, and that could be any movie. That could be this movie with the, with the lesbian kiss. That could be a movie that over-focuses on romance as the solution to loneliness, even if it's a straight romance. Um, and your kids are like, mom, we want to, we want to see this movie. Why won't you let us watch it? You know, you can tell them why in age-appropriate ways, uh, why we're, as a family, we're not going to view that movie. And then, and then remind them, hey, God's wisdom for sexual stewardship is this. And, and that is what we want to have in our home or talk about in our home. So there's a, there's a whole lot of ways that conversation could go. Um, if you need some extra help, you can check out some of the other things that I've written. I've written several parent conversation starters, age-appropriate uh, parent conversation starters for kids, for parents to use. Um, Cody's going to have that link, I think, in the show notes, but um, you're welcome to go check those out. And Cody also mentioned the parent course. Uh, in the parent course, you get access to over 30 uh, of these types of conversations, how to have these types of conversations about media uh, and about the cultural things that our kids are going to be exposed to um, in their lives. So, so teach your kids God's wisdom 
intentionally have conversations with them about these topics, and then also take all of these opportunities that culture is going to offer, like a gay character in a Disney movie, to teach them God's wisdom again. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm going to link to a number of the articles you, you wrote as well. There's one that I feel like has sort of fallen out a little bit as been replaced by the Disney thing, but uh, uh, Jojo Siwa, is that how you pronounce her name? <laughs> I think she was a YouTube think- star first, and then got a Nickelodeon yeah. show. And has uh, come out as I don't know if gay or bisexual or pan, but uh, and I think it was kind of a similar question. You know, should you should you not let your kids watch JoJo Siwa now? Um, right. And so I, I I agree with you on um, th- that it's really important that we start um, talking about these things early, and partly because I think it's important that we create some of these categories in their mind and right. sort of letting the, instead of letting the culture uh, yes. create those categories for them. Yes. Um, you know, and, and the culture now is definitely more progressive leaning, but, um, you know, depending on where you are or when you were, uh, that culture could also be just kind of, uh, unethical, but homophobic, like, like you, you were kind of talking about where, you know, um, very, you know, into, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, I guess, kind of loose sexual morals, as long as it's heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, and that's not, 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 that's not good either. Um, not just because it's loose se- sexual morals, but because it's also just like, well, we're just going to sort of single out gay people as deserving some kind of special, um, you know, ire or whatever. Um, so I agree that we should create some of the, these categories for them. Um, and I, I like some of the examples you gave. I think one of the things that may be, some parents may be struggling with, and I, I know that I have as well, is how do you uh, create these characters, uh, sorry, these, um, these categories um, with a wisdom approach, but not a judgment approach. And I think that can be a little bit tricky if you're sort of saying, on one hand, this is less than ideal, or this is not what God wants. Um, right. How does that, how does, how do you, how does that not slide into judgment or like othering or, you know, dehumanizing, I guess? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think we can look at the example of Jesus. Um, when we see Jesus interacting with people who um, maybe, I don't want to say sexual minorities, but who didn't have, maybe it weren't upholding what we would call a traditional sexual ethic. I'm thinking of like the woman at the well who had multiple husbands and who was living with a man who wasn't her husband. I'm thinking of um, the woman who was likely a prostitute who Jesus, who washed Jesus's feet with her hair. Um, and, um, you know, the woman caught in adultery who was brought before Jesus. He never leads with condemnation in those conversations with those people. He always leads with with grace and love and and he tells them truth, right? But he doesn't do it in a shaming way. He doesn't say, well, you should know better. You can't follow me until you get your life. And he doesn't do that. Um, He's very gracious and kind and loving. Uh, And so I think our kids need to see us interact with other people who don't believe the same things we do or behave the same way that we do. Um, they need to see us interacting with them in gracious and kind and loving ways. But that doesn't mean that we then can't teach our kids what I would call a traditional sexual ethic. We can't. That doesn't mean we can't teach our kids God's wisdom. It's not hateful or exclusionary or you know bigoted to teach our kids God's, God's wisdom or to follow God's wisdom, uh, or even to you know insist that our kids follow God's wisdom at least while they're young and in our, in our, excuse me, in our home. Uh, And so, you know, I think the other thing I often tell parents, I'll 
quickly two other things I tell parents. One is to, I differentiate in my home between marriage and Christian marriage. In our culture, I think it's necessary. Um, so when we, you know, uh, when we maybe talk about gay people, I'll say, well, this is Christian marriage, you know, because in our, in our country, two gay people, they can get married. That is called marriage. And so in order to avoid confusion, I tell my kids that, yeah, they're married, but, but this is what God says Christian marriage is. And because we are a part of God's family, this is what we believe Christian marriage is and how, how, we, um, how we view Christian marriage and how we view relationships like that. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is, um, you know, expose your kids to people who are stewarding their sexualities according to God's wisdom. Um, and, and you don't have to when, when they are around people who are not stewarding their sexualities according to God's wisdom, you don't have to use that as your example. Use the, the good ones, so to speak. Use the ones who are stewarding their sexualities according to God's wisdom as your examples. Point out the good and resist saying, you see those people over there? They're not following God's wisdom. How terrible are they? Resist doing that. And instead say, you see these people here? Um, you know, our friend Joe, um, he is stewarding his sexuality according to God's wisdom, and here's how. Of course, that's overly simplistic, but again, resist pointing out the examples that you don't want your kids to follow it and judging them and, and saying how terrible, and instead point out the ones that are. Well, so, uh, you know, bottom line on this, should I cancel my Disney Plus subscription, and should I move out of the woods with my family, or, or no? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's your choice, right? I think though, when our, when we have this desire, I think our hearts are in the right place. Um, but I think it's misguided because I want, I want, I want us to think for just a moment, what do our kids learn when we withdraw completely from Disney plus or from culture altogether, mostly because of the gay stuff? Um, you know, when we complain about, quote unquote, the gay agenda on TV shows, or when we loudly just, you know, voice our displeasure or even our disgust when we see a same-sex couple come on screen or when we see a rainbow flag. Um, I think we're hoping that we will communicate to our kids that God's best plan for relationships doesn't include same-sex romance, but I don't think that that's what our kids actually hear um, I don't think they're hearing God's love for all people, regardless of their attractions. I don't think that they're hearing that God has set a high bar for sexual stewardship for all people, regardless of their orientation. Here's what I think they do hear when we do that. I think they hear, I should fear gay people. Being gay is bad, gross, dirty, disgusting. If I do experience same-sex attraction one day, I need to keep it a secret. And if I did tell people, I probably wouldn't be welcome in my home anymore. Um, you know, Jojo, Siwa, she wasn't welcome in our home anymore, or Disney Plus with that lesbian kiss, they weren't welcome in our home anymore. I probably wouldn't be either. Uh, and then also they learned that gay people are subject to rules that straight people aren't. You know, before Disney featured this lesbian character, uh, we watched Disney movies all the time and it was fine. And it, there was plenty of content there that wasn't God honoring and my parents didn't seem real concerned. But now that there's a lesbian character, we have to cancel Disney Plus. God must have extra rules for gay people. Um, and I think our kids learn, too, that they can apply God's wisdom for Christian behavior discriminately. Um, inconsistency does not protect our children. <laughs> um, it teaches them to discriminate instead. Um, and when that in inconsistency is only applied to gay people, it teaches our kids homophobia. So our actions communicate then to our children 
it's okay when straight people ignore God's wisdom, but if a gay person isn't following God's wisdom, we have to punish them. Um, you know, so I think if parents feel that they need to cancel media subscriptions to be serious about protecting their kids from the influences of, um, you know, an LGBTQ plus character, I think they need to cancel every piece of media that features any kind of sexual stewardship that doesn't honor God. Um, and if we're not willing to do that, I think maybe we have to admit that our reaction to Disney is about more than just protecting them. Um, even so, let's just say, hypothetically, we did cancel all of those subscriptions. Um, even if we did manage to somehow successfully protect our children from watching any videos or, you know, being in contact with any kind of public character that fell short of, of God's high standards, I think we're still going to fail to, to block them from exposure to all of the sexual brokenness that, you know, is in the rest of their lives. Uh, reminders are everywhere that this world is not as it should be. The world is broken. Um, you know, do we refuse to allow our kids to go to school when their second grade teacher has a same-sex partner? Um, do we quit the sports team when a teammate's two moms show up to cheer him on? Do we stop taking our kids to library story time when we find out that the children's librarian is a lesbian? Do we vow to never enter the doors of Target or Gap or Ikea or Hallmark or JCPenney or Amazon ever again because their ads are featuring, you know, same-sex couples? Um, I think it's impossible, like you said, unless we just move off the grid, it's going to be impossible to um, keep our kids from any sort of um, exposure to sexual brokenness. Um, but also, even if we do all those things and we manage to move off the grid, our kids are still going to experience sexual brokenness in themselves in some way. We are all broken. We are all broken in the area of sexuality. None of us experiences sexuality like God first created us to experience it before sin was present in the world. Um, so it's going to show up in our lives and in theirs, even if we are completely off the grid. Um, so I think we need to teach our kids a couple things. The way that that God calls us to live is going to be different from what other people choose to do. Um, we still want to honor other image bearers as image bearers. Uh, and we still want to, you know, show love and kindness toward people who don't uphold the same sexual ethic that we do. Um, while we are also teaching our children what God's wisdom is regarding sexual stewardship. Um, so again, we want to embrace, we can embrace a traditional sexual ethic, choose not to lead with condemnation, um, and teach our kids to do the same. So uh, it, it sounds, uh, it, all that advice is really good, although it seems like in a lot of ways you're, you're giving kind of more broad guidelines than direct uh, advice. And so I'd, I'd be curious for you, um, where are those areas where you choose to disengage with culture, with your family? Where are those areas where you encourage your kids to engage with you critically? And where are those areas where you just kind of say, okay, go in your room and put on whatever app you want? And that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, I guess that's kind of what I'm curious about, because I think you're right. You know, even if we go and do the, you know, live in the woods thing, um, you're not preparing your kids for their own brokenness. You're not preparing your kids for the fact that they're probably going to leave the woods and go into town sometime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to buy some buttermilk or whatever. And um, so, um, you know, we need to, I think, be thinking about preparing our kids to think and live in the culture that they're in. So right. um, are there places, okay, maybe that is, are, where are the places where you disengage and where do you want to engage critically? 
Yeah, good question. It's going to differ family to family, right? So what works for me may not work for you, vice versa. I think each parent is going to know their own child's um, sin struggles, right? They're going to know where their own child is tempted to over-focus on what the world is offering. They're going to know what they've already spoken to their child about, you know. So in my house, we don't watch Barbie movies. That's just one, one example. Um, I hate Barbie movies. Um, and I think they are way too focused on romance as the solution to basically everything. Um, and so we just stopped watching them. Uh, I like to use books. I, I am a former uh, literature teacher. And so I have a love for children's books. We read a lot of children's books and I use those to have conversations with my kids. Like you said, I'm creating the categories. I'm bringing the wisdom. I'm establishing that I'm the place that my kids can come to with questions. Um, so that's another thing I do. So, so I disengage I, from a lot of, uh, honestly, from a lot of um, movies and media. Um, there's a lot of things we don't watch. Um, I don't think my kids at ages, my kids are age almost nine and almost seven. I don't think they're ready for superhero violence. Um, and I know other parents with kids my ages take their kids to the movie theater to see the movie, the newest uh, superhero movies when they come out. We don't do that because I don't think my kids are ready. Um, and uh, so that's just another example of where I've chosen to disengage. Now we do talk about those things when my kids, you know, pretend fight in the back in the backyard. Uh, we talk about it, um, but we're just not. I'm just not exposing them to to the movie. Um, I'm trying to think of of another example here. Um, my kids are around a lot of gay people, uh, a lot. <laughs> um, their dad is gay. Um, I have lots of friends who are gay. Um, so that has been, those have been conversations we have needed to have earlier, maybe than some other parents, um, just because of life circumstances, but those have gone really well. Um, I've been able to talk to my kids about, here's what gay is. Um, and actually, you know, a gay person, gay is not gross, dirty, or bad. Um, you know, and, and gay people, God doesn't expect anything different from them than he expects from anyone else. His expectations are the same. So that is a place where we are engaging in culture um, and kind of by necessity, because I, I just know that my kids are, are going to be exposed to those things. Um, so those are a few examples. I can, I can give you a couple more examples here in a minute as well about how I want to, I want to raise my kids to, to think with the lens of God's wisdom, right? To, to view culture through the lens of God's wisdom. Um, but I also want them to think in compassionate ways uh, and to engage, like you said, to engage thoughtfully with culture, to engage uh, as they get older critically um, with culture. Um, so here's some examples of that. Um, I think like I'm not going to talk to my three-year-old about pornography, right? I'm not going to tell them what pornography is. But I can start teaching my three-year-old to honor the images of other people. I can start teaching my three-year-old to listen to their body, their emotions, when something makes them uncomfortable. And I can start teaching them about internet safety, about screen time safety. Um, you know, I probably am not going to explicitly tell my four-year-old what gay marriage is, but I can talk about everyone's need for family, and I can talk about God's design and purpose for Christian marriage and Christian vocational singleness. I can teach them how to love other people who don't agree with them or who don't behave like they do. Um, I can teach them that 
everyone has brokennesses that they don't choose. They themselves are going to experience brokennesses in their own lives that they did not choose to have. Um, you know, those are just some ways that we can start bringing these topics up um, and engaging with them without engaging with them, so to speak, um, in explicit ways. Do you recommend any, I mean, a lot of this is kind of, you know, using wisdom in that moment, depending on what the, the needs seem to be. Do you recommend any specific resources for introducing kids, whether they're books or, or videos or anything like that for, for some of these ideas about uh, age appropriate sexuality questions? I have a whole list. If your subscribers want to email me, I can email them back that list, amber at equipyourcommunity.org. I have created a resource list Ooh. for parents with, you know, books for parents as well as books for kids um, and how they can um, use those. I would also say take my parent course. Um, yeah. Aimless plug here <laughs> um, because I'm going to walk you through using everyday things you already have in your home, using the Barbie movie to talk about romance and marriage using the, if you've ever heard of the frog and toad books, I use them to talk about um, singleness and our need for family um, mm. and having conversations about things, in, you know, again, with, with all ages, ages two to 12, about pornography, about gay marriage, about teen pregnancy, about sexual abuse. And, and within each of those categories, I have whole lists of resources that are included if you take the parent course. So email me, amber at equipyourcommunity.org. I can send you my free resource list if you email me. And then um, if you want to take the parent course, you get access to just tons of scripts for conversations as well as other resources. Yeah, I definitely want to get that resource list, but I, I also really appreciate um, your approach because I think it's kind of similar to mine where I, I try to look at uh, opportunities, things that are going on, things in the culture as opportunities to talk about, you know, yeah. talk about Christ or, or wisdom or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I, I noticed when I went to equipyourcommunity.org, it took me, it was a little winding path to get to the, to the parent course. So I just want to mention to people, equipyourcommunity.org slash parent course. Yes. Be a good place <laughs> and there's a preview there. And then once you see the preview and you decide you want to do it, uh, put in the code CANTUSFIRMUS15, capital C, capital F, and that will give you 15% off the price of the parent course if you do it between now and the end of 2022. And um, Amber, I, I really want to just thank you for taking the time to do this. This is, um, these are tough questions, but I think just being able to have a conversation and, and think, uh, you know, critically and, and wisely about it takes away some of that anxiety <laughs> that we yes. might have as parents about how do we even approach this and, and I think you're right um you know same sexuality same sex issues are uh you know part of that big ball of wax but we separate them out and maybe mm -hmm. maybe partly it's homophobia maybe it's partly because the cultures we haven't really gotten there on we're just starting to get there on same sex issues and so it feels like a new thing that we can like a new battle we have to fight or whatever but I think also um you know for me personally it's the the struggle about I think compassion that may not, I think that should show up in some of these other issues related to sexuality, but maybe doesn't in the same way. It feels, you know, it, it feels easy to say, you know, something like, you know, um, uh, you know, don't sleep around, but it feels harder to, to tell, you know, somebody that you care about who's same-sex attracted, I think singleness might be the path for you. Um, right. You know what I mean? So, the, 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 but so going through all this is, I think, really helpful and, and I'm looking forward to, uh, checking out some of these resources and, and uh, looking at the parent course as well. So thank you for, for being here and, and helping us to start talking about some of these things. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.